You sit back and watch for the bullshit because you know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. Welcome to episode two of BS with Brian Simpson. This is Brian Simpson, obviously. Uh, we've got a lot of good, a lot of good letters this week. First of all, uh, I, I appreciate everyone that uh, wrote in, that gave me feedback in person and email over the phone, what have you. Um, I really do want this podcast to be good and in and, and all the various different ways. And uh, and so I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your input. Now, let's just get right into it. Advice time. Uh, this question is from Doug. Let's just call him Doug. Doug says, let's say you were dating a girl. You, you had sex with her and everything is going great. Until she tells you that she doesn't think the relationship is going to go anywhere romantically. You ended on good terms and she's moving to another state to finish her masters, but wants to remain friends and says you should hang out when she's back in town. Some tell me I should just see what happens and remain friends while others say forget her and let her be. What advice would you give or what do you think of that situation and what would you do? Fuck no, B. Do not remain friends. Okay? You can't go from... Okay, that's not true. It's, you can go from fucking to friends and from being related to being friends. It's not a good idea. All right? But in this particular situation... It seemed like you still got feelings and she don't. And that's not friends. You understand what I'm saying? You can be friends with a girl. You can be friends with a girl you fucked. You can be friends with a girl you are fucking. But you can't be friends. You fr- friendship is 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 two ways. She she wants to be friends and you don't. And why would you so you're just gonna be putting yourself in a situation. We're just going to get emotionally beat up. Fuck that. Fuck that. This is, this is just setting you up to be what, uh, what Patrice O'Neill calls a time hoe. You know, this girl is going to swoop into town, you know, spin up your money, smoke up your weed and go fuck somebody else. And that's going to eat you up. You know, and if you, if you were, if you were just friends, then it wouldn't bother you, but this will bother you. You know, you can't, if you, if you can't just be friends, don't do this. Don't put yourself in a situation where, you know, where you, where you, where you're on the sideline, where you're trying to be in the game. It's, it's just going to fuck you up emotionally. Uh, next question comes from Baby on the way. Baby on the way says, well, obviously we know what this is about. Baby on the way says, so I'm pregnant with a baby. That's that's usually the case. And I just feel like with everything going on with this world, politically and socially, 
how am I supposed to raise a child with morals and values in a world that seems to reward immoral behavior? I want what I think every parent wants, a kid who knows wrong from right. See, that's weird that you would say wrong from right, not right from wrong. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, but that's that's strange. Another kid who knows wrong from right and isn't afraid to stand up for themselves. I'm worried our freedom is slowly being taken away and how it might affect the future of our country. Well, well, look, I'm not a parent, so, you know, I, I don't know what it would be like to have a child in today's world, but I do know that I don't think the world is any worse than it's ever been. I, you know, people have always had to raise their children in a shitty world. The world isn't becoming this thing that we can't handle. It's always been that. We've just been lied to the whole, you know, you're, you know, I mean, you're, you've recently, it seems, gotten to that point where you're starting to see all the, because that's what happens. Parents, they try to hide their kids from all the shittiness of the world. And then their kids go out in the world and go, what's the world coming to? And it's like, no, the world been like this. It's always been shitty and cold and rewarded immoral behavior. And, um, and, but it's a mix. It's a balance. I mean, there may not be like, you know, good air to breathe and, <laughs> and clean water to drink eventually. Uh, that's a whole nother thing. But I don't know if, I don't know if there's any, any, any big morality, you know, to any of this. And a large part of it, and let's be honest, a large part of this shit, it, it really just depends on, on where you live and what race you are and what your, what your financial status is. Uh, as far as us slowly losing our freedom, I don't know if we ever really had it. I mean, I'm free to move about. You free to starve, you free to die, but if you want to survive, you got to, you know, you got to work like a fucking, it's like, it's like, it's like they, 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 they keep you barely outside the definition of slavery. You know, they can't make you work for free, but they can make you work for barely nothing, for just enough to survive on. Yeah, so maybe, I don't know, maybe shit is worse. Yeah, but I don't really, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you raise a child with morals and values. <laughs> I really don't think parents have that much to do with that, to be honest with you. I mean, you can have the same set of parents raise 10 different kids, and them kids going to all come out differently, you know? Depending on their experiences and shit. You know, you have one, you have, you have one kid be a, a damn priest. Another kid is an astronaut. Another kid is a, is a, is a, is a rapist and a serial killer. And another kid is a crackhead. 
You know, I don't know if I don't know if there's any solution to being a parent. You know, I think you just got to do your best and hope for the best. That shit is just rolling the dice. You know, because I'm a firm believer in this: kids do what they see, not what you say. So it ain't nothing, and and you and it ain't. So it's nothing you can say to your kid that's gonna shape their behavior. They're gonna do what they see, and uh, and. Yeah, the older they get, the less control you have over what they see. You know, it's really it's really a roll of the dice. Unless you're gonna be one of them parents that's like try to control every fucking thing about your kid's life, you know. And then I think that's what turns them into that's that's what fucks them all up. But again, I don't know shit about it. I was a foster kid, so I didn't have a. I didn't have like a regular parental situation. Um, and I don't have kids, so I'm not a parent. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you'll be fine. You know, I think you'll be all right. Like worry about you. You know, instead of instead of this little this uh this little miracle, <laughs> I don't know. I'd be scared to death to have a motherfucking kid right now. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'd be scared to death. I don't even trust myself. I w- I would fuck around. I'm one of them dudes that would leave my kid on top of the car and shit like that. You know, like forget. You know, and leave him. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid I would fucking slip up and drop. I don't know. But I did, I did, I recently read something, or maybe I was, I heard it on another podcast where like your human brains, they like, they kick into like another mode when you're handling a baby so that you're super focused. Um, which is why people don't drop babies very often. Like you, you don't, like you want, you're not going to drop your baby. I'm not saying you're not going to drop your baby. But you're not going to drop your baby as much as you drop your cell phone. You know what I mean? It's like some, your brain kicks into like a different shit, a different gear. So, yeah, take care of the physical, the financial, the spiritual, and uh, and just hope for the best. Damn, that's, that doesn't sound like advice, does it? That doesn't sound like good advice. <laughs> oh, man, you are fucked. You just, uh... no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, just do your best. That's what every parent's doing. Anybody that tells you different is full of shit. <laughs> Next question. Uh, this question is from Concern Comic. Concern Comic. How do you attack expanding a joke you've written that has a single punchline and no tags? How do I attack expanding a joke? Well, um, uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot, a lot of people have different ways of approaching this. Uh, I, I sometimes I I run this I run it by a, a comic that I vibe vibe with. Not and and you know, listen. Not everybody that's your friend, not every comedian that's your friend can can you write with. Not every comedian can do that. You feel me? 
um, it, it, certain comics bring out a, they they put you in a certain cre- creative headspace. You gotta be around those people often. And I'm not saying run the joke by them like here's the bit, because you know what we we do do that as comics, but I don't know if that's ever been useful for me. What I'd rather do is just bring up the subject. And then out of that conversation is where shit comes from. Um, but also, I, I, me personally, I don't necessarily focus on bits on, I don't, I don't necessarily focus on jokes, uh, individually. I, I write down every idea I have. And I'm constantly thinking about that body of stuff, adding little, little, little pieces here, there, 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 until some, some, until a whole joke falls out or a new tag falls out. Um, ranting helps. I rant, sometimes I rant new punchlines. Sometimes I rant new jokes. Uh, sometimes I go, you know, again, a stage where I'm comfortable um, or uncomfortable, whatever. But, uh, but I'm, but I'm saying an open mic or something like that. And I, and I, and I go up with nothing and I try to, uh, I try to go from nothing into something that transitions into the bit, you know, that, that association thing. Um, just anything to put me in that create in that creative headspace. But also, it's nothing wrong with a joke just being a, a set up in a punchline. You don't have to tag a joke to death for it to be amazing. I, I don't believe that for one minute. Uh, some jokes just you know, and and sometimes you'll come up with a tag and it's not good and it doesn't it doesn't make the joke better. You know, people say. It's, the rule of this and rule of threes and I don't believe in that shit. This is the rule of the rule of funny. If it doesn't make the joke funnier, then don't say it. You know? Don't don't say unfunny shit. I hate that. I hate um well we talked a lot about social media last week, but man, this is another social media pet peeve of mine is when It's when I I can't stand it when a comic I respect goes for the low hanging fruit on social media. Like, like you can't stop yourself before you post a joke that you know goddamn well a thousand other people have already thought of. You know, I'm talking about the be- the lowest hanging fruit. Possible, not even a joke, but just just anything that you. It doesn't make you look clever. Or maybe it, maybe to somebody, but it's like I just get I get so disappointed in some people where it's like, really, really, you thought that was original? Because it's more important. It's more important for you to say something original, it's more impressive when you say something original than it is if you say something that's mildly funny. 
you know, and if it's not original, it's not worth saying. If you don't, if you don't think what you're saying is truly hilarious, why say it? You know, and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to confuse that with, because I, I also like to play this dumb game with other comics where we purposely, we purposely say bad jokes, but that's a. See, here's the thing. Puns are fucking stupid, right? They're stupid jokes and little dumb jokes like that, but they're hilarious to me, but only when they're coming from someone that I know is funny. Like when I know, when I know that you could say something hilarious, but you're purposely saying this dumb joke, that's funny to me. You know, but if you're not funny and you're saying unfunny stuff, God, I mean, fucking try harder, man. All right. Next question is from Paul. No. Next question is from Tammy. Um, Tammy, so Tammy wrote me a an in-depth uh, letter. Uh, so I went ahead and read it ahead of time uh, so I could summarize this. Uh, I hope she's not mad at me for summarizing it, but I just, I'm not going to read this whole thing uh, on, on the podcast. It's because it's long. Um, It's not that long actually, but I'm not, it's long enough to where I feel like I could just, I could just chop it down to the main points. Um, basically some guy had been pursuing her for, they've been, she's been friends with this guy for a few years. He'd been trying to date her for most of that time. And she'd been, no, no, we friends. They're really good friends. They got really good friend chemistry. Um, but she couldn't date him because she felt like he, 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 he was too big of a stoner. That's perfectly reasonable. Sometimes that shit ain't your cup of tea. And yes, you do stink to people that don't smoke weed. You, yeah, it smells bad. Uh, uh, he'd also been drinking a little, but it wasn't it wasn't a huge problem. It didn't seem like it. All right, so fast forward to the to you know to the future. She finally gives in to his advances. They start dating. It's amazing at first. Right. And then less than a month into this relationship, she starts noticing little stuff. You know, he would do little inconsiderate things, little borderline, barely disrespectful things, a little gaslighting here and there. You know, he would do shit like, invite her over and then the door's locked when she get there and he passed out and shit like that. He would do shit like 
know she's coming and then not be there when she got there. You know, and then she's like, where you at? He's like, I'm up the street getting food. And she's like, oh, okay. And then he comes back with food and don't have enough for her, knowing she was coming. Little stuff like that. That's just, that kind of shit is going to bother any woman. I, like, if you're really, like, dating, dating a woman, and you doing a little shit like that, that shit adds up. You can't just dismiss that kind of shit. Whereas, like, you're not thinking about me. That's how women, anyway. But then, um, you know, but then they had a little situation one time where, you know, this the same thing happened. She came over. He, uh, the door was locked again after they'd already argued about it the first time or discussed it the first time. Um, he let her, you know, he let her in and then tried to gaslight her and tell her, oh, the door wasn't even locked. You, you just weren't pushing it right or whatever. Um, and then he, and he was being kind of snippy and snappy and rude. And she ain't think she, she chopped it up to whatever. But when in the morning she brought it up, like, yo, you was being kind of rude last night. Like, were you sleepy or something? Were you drunk? And, and see, the night before he lied and said he wasn't drunk. And then the, the next morning, you know, look, guys, what this all boils down to is this. Cause I don't even have to finish, cause I don't even have to finish the story. Cause it's, some of the people are listening to the story and they're, they already, they already at the point that I'm at where it's like, stop fucking with this nigga. You got to stop fucking with this thing because, well, well, for one, you, this, and listen very carefully to this, guys. You cannot date an addict. Okay? You cannot date an active addict. It's just that simple. If they have, if they, if they have not been sober for X amount of time and they haven't gone through all the steps of their recovery, you can't date a person that is an active addict. Because this is the kind of shit that's going to happen. All right. See, my thing is, I, I think this person, this person, because they were really good friends. Right. And this is, this is, you know, but sometimes you date people and they think it's like because of their addictions, they try to hide that shit from you, you know, because they, they, they honestly believe this guy, but he believes that you are too good for him in his present state. So he tried to hide it from you, you know, but you can't hide that shit. It's, it's going to fall. The facade is going to fall apart so quick because you're an addict and addicts, addicts do dumb shit and they tell stupid, they tell lies to you like you don't have eyes and ears. And, uh, and you know, an addict will do anything to continue that behavior and to make you and, and to allow you to continue to enable that behavior. You know, it's just, it's a, it's emotional torture. Again, don't date a fucking addict. Don't do it. 
if, if and, and here and this is the and this is the key. This, and some of y'all are probably saying, Brian, whoa, how you know this dude is an addict? Or just what you say? Look, man, when a motherfucker start lying to you about drinking, that's a fucking drunk. You feel me? A grown man or a grown woman should be able to go, yeah, I'm fucked up. Cause it's not about whether you drink, it's not about even whether you get whether you get you know twisted. But if you gonna lie about it, that that see, that's what addicts do. They cause they're lying about drinking because they're in denial about how much they drink. You know, and they don't want you to think less of them. So they tell you, oh, no, nah, I wasn't drunk. I wasn't even drinking. Yes, she was, motherfucker. You, I can smell vodka. See, I've been through this myself. You know, dating an addict, dating a drunk. It's like, don't fucking do it. It's not worth it. It's going in badly. And you, and you're never going to, you can't, you, cause, cause think about it. It's hard enough just to date a not drunk. Just to date, to date somebody that's got all their ducks in a row and shit. That's difficult in and, in and of itself. But a drunk, dating a drunk is like, it's like trying to play, uh, trying to play a, ch- a game of chess with somebody that keep flipping the board over. You know? And, and you gotta keep, you gotta keep starting over because you never know where they really coming from. Just don't fucking do it. You can't date an addict. And you know, like my grandma used to say, you can you can do bad by your motherfucking self. It ain't no point in you being in a situation with a with a, with a person like this. And, and you know, you don't need my advice. So you already you already know you need to break up with this dude. Now, now as to whether you can still be friends. Nah, I don't think so. Or I don't know. I mean, were you? Because, because, see, here towards the end, he kind of, he's kind of like, I know this, is, I know, I know where you're going to, I know how this is going to end. You know, he knows. But can you still be friends? I don't know. Because were you ever not friends just because you were fucking a little bit? Again, this is, it's, it's kind of the same scenario. I don't think so. Once you start, listen, if you, listen, you can be friends all day. You can be friends and have a little feelings. But once you start fucking with feelings, you can't go back to being friends. Some people can. I can't. I think most people can't. They think they can. We like to think of ourselves, though. We, yeah, I'm emotionally mature and I can handle it. No, you can't. No, you can't. <clears throat> so, you know, I miss to cut you the fuck off. Uh, and so, and that's just always going to be my advice. And I know there's a lot of people out there that's like, I'm friends with all my exes. I don't get that. I don't speak that language at all. Why? For what? You scared you're not going to make new friends? What's that about? Somebody, please hit me up. Explain that to me. I'm friends with everyone I used to fucking love. Why? Why? Don't get me wrong. I understand sometimes you meet someone that is truly, you know, amazing. 
I mean, truly a remarkable human being. You know, like you might run up on a motherfucking Einstein or or Martin Luther King or something. You know what I mean? You might you might you might get you a Sojourner Truth out here or something. And and you recognize that brilliance, and so you can't let it go. I get that. I understand that being friends with those people. Um, but let's be honest. Most of your exes are not that. You know? So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I think I'm only friends. I'm only friends with one ex from, and that's just because it was from a long time ago. I don't, uh, I don't see the point. I mean, that, I, I'm, I, and I'm, and that's, and we're just kind of friends. We're not friends. Like we, 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 we friends on Facebook, you know, but we don't speak every day and shit like that, you know, but, but, and, and that's from, that's like my high school sweetheart. I'm still, I guess, but if social media didn't exist, I would never talk to her and I still don't talk to her really. So, you know, it's like, I don't get the people that, that are like, they just, they collect exes. You know, and I'm not criticizing you. I just don't understand. So if you if you want to explain it to me, please do. Um, but I, I I feel like it just makes it harder than it has to be. It makes it harder when they start dating other people. It makes it harder when you start dating other people. Then you got to explain. You know, and then you it, it, fuck that. Then you then you end up in a situation where now you now you now you meet. You know, you at a party with a motherfucker or you meet, you mingling with motherfuckers that they used to date and they don't tell you. And then until after the fact, it's like, all right, why? I don't know. Maybe I'm just extra, uh, maybe I'm just extra sensitive or, or is it that I'm extra cold about it? You know, I don't know. But it's like, if you break up with me, you don't exist. That's how I'm trying to play it. That's my goal. I'm trying to I'm trying to delete you out of email, Facebook, all that. But it's hard. It's hard because I, I happen to know these people. I, I, well, I happen to know one of these people, but I know the advice comics get is always don't fuck comics, right? Don't fuck anyone in the industry. Don't do it. But th- that's impossible. You know, it's good advice. It really is because it, it when it ends, it ends badly most of the time. Um, and then you got to see that motherfucker everywhere. <laughs> you know, all the time. So that's why, that's part of, of the reason why you shouldn't date people in, in the industry is because you don't ever really get to break up. And so even in the, you know, even if you're not friends or even if, you know, even if you're not friends, you still got to run into that motherfucker all the time, all the time. Or you have to put in a tremendous amount of extra work to make sure you don't. Fuck that. But that's impossible also because 
You're constantly around people in the industry and you're constantly getting to know people in the industry and you're constantly, you're constantly around people that are, that, that are impressive in that way. You're impressed with them because they're brilliant or they're talented, you know? And that's, that's a, that's a tough combination. And some of them are mildly successful or on their way to success. So you around people that you admire, that are brilliant, talented, uh, on their way to successful and you're attracted to them. How are you? What are you going to do? What are you supposed to do? Not be a human? I don't know, but it's going in badly for sure. Um, man. Oh, brings me back. Emotional instability. Um, all right, guys. Our next letter is not about relationships. It's, this is not even an advice letter. This is from, uh, from the homie Paul. Shout out, Paul. Um, Paul, uh, <laughs> Paul is uh, reminding me today that, uh, today in history, July 2nd, now you probably listened to this on July 3rd, but I recorded it on the 2nd, uh, July 2nd, uh, is, uh, is the day that President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 meant to prohibit segregation in public places. He didn't pass his weed, though. Uh, also today, July 2nd, 1839, July 2nd, 1839, 20 miles off the coast of Cuba, 53 rebelling African slaves Led by Joseph Sinke. I think I'm saying that right. Or maybe it's Joseph Sink. Um, I don't know. If you French, correct me. Whatever. I'm going to say Sinke. Joseph Sinke uh, took over the slave ship Amistad. Some of y'all are familiar with the movie. Uh, but Joseph, Joseph Sinke and uh, his fellow slaves, they were actually kidnapped illegally. They were, they were, Put into slavery illegally, uh, and, 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 uh, and sold to Spanish slavers, uh, in, in Cuba. Now, what you have to know about this is that slavery was still legal. But the inter at this time, the international slave trade was illegal. So you could have slaves that were born slaves by, at this point in history but you couldn't go capture more people and turn them into slaves anymore through various treaties and so on and so forth. You know, so these guys were kidnapped illegally, turned into slaves and then sold further in, to, to another slave trader. They rebelled, uh, held the captain of the ship and his skipper hostage and made them steer the ship uh, back toward Sierra Leone, which is where they were taken from. Uh, but in the middle of the night, the captain, uh, as nav navigator, uh, they sneakily turned the ship back toward America because they were hoping to run into another Spanish ship that would help them. Uh, 
uh, again, sneaky motherfucker. You know, I guess there's always been, there's always been permit patties and barbecue Beckys. You know what I mean? You can't even respect the fact that a nigga rebelled and just want to go home when you know goddamn well that you kidnapped a free man and turned him into a slave and try to call him a liar, then you weaponize your whiteness. And of course it works. They get they end up back in America. Um the, they were immediately uh, arrested and charged with mutiny. Um and their case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and uh, the Supreme Court found that because they were uh, captured illegally and turned into slaves, that they were well within their rights uh, to rebel, to mutiny for their freedom. Yeah, way back then, it was woke white folks. Uh, I wonder what the Supreme Court now would fucking say. That See, that's scary that we don't even know the answer to that. Um. Yeah, the uh, the the people against them were arguing. Well, they was already slaves when we bought them. So, yeah, that was it. That was their weak ass argument. But just I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm giving I'm 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 giving the eighteen hundreds too much credit because it did have to go all the way to the Supreme Court. They won. They won their freedom. Um, and but everything about the end. Uh, I mean, Joseph Sinke, he went back to see early on. But everything known about the end of his life is uh, is just speculation. So, and we ain't here to speculate on BS with Ryan Simpson. We give you facts, nigga, and strong opinions, but never speculation. Um, yeah, I guess my opinions ain't that strong. Let me give you medium opinions. Um, <clears throat> but thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul, for the hot facts. That uh, um, Joseph Serke was not the uh, was not the focus of our history and color moment uh, this week. Uh, that was just a little bonus, a little bonus content. Uh, uh, thanks to thanks to Paul, who I did my little bit of research on this week was uh, Shirley Anita Chisholm. Uh, Shirley Anita, Anita Chisholm, she was the first uh, black woman to be elected to Congress. She was the first black candidate for a major party nomination for the president of the United States. And she was the first woman to run for the Democratic Party's presidential nomination. She was run for president, Shirley Chisholm. In the 60s, black woman. Right? And uh, I mean she was a she was a career educator. She she taught her whole life or was in otherwise in public service, Congress, Senate. Uh and she is famous for saying, <clears throat> and I quote, because cause her her campaign was was horrendously underfunded. I don't think they really wanted her to win. 
I think she was just talking as fuck back. I don't know. Uh, yeah, she she struggled to be regarded as a serious candidate instead of as a symbolic political figure. You see how they want to do you? And she's famous for saying, when I ran for, for the Congress, when I ran for president, I bet more discrimination as a woman than for being black. Men are men, unquote. That's crazy. Uh, it says here, in particular, she expressed frustration about the black matriarch thing, is what she called it. The black matriarch thing, saying they think I'm trying to take power from them. The black man must step forward. But that doesn't mean the black woman must step back. Damn. That's cold, bruh. We got to support our black women out here. Like, she was running for fucking president. Back when, you know, when it was way harder and way more divisive than it was for Barack Obama. We fell in line behind Barack Obama. Shirley Chisholm was barely taken seriously. According to this, I wasn't alive back then. So I don't know what, it, what the vibe really was. But uh, Shirley Chisholm, I mean, that's a name that you barely hear. She's right there, right on the edge of that, of that black history bubble that most people have. She's she's right on the edge of the bubble. You barely hear her name. Her name sounds vaguely familiar to the average person, but you don't know shit about her, which is which is crazy. Especially her being the first black woman to run to do a bunch of things. She survived three assassination attempts while she was running for president. And that's crazy to me because I can't tell you for sure if it was all racism or just people that was afraid of a woman being president. I mean, I'm sure it was both. <laughs> you know, maybe two to one. Maybe it was two two racists tried to murder her and one misogynist. Or maybe a racist, a misogynist, and a racist misogynist. Let's be fair. They were all both. It was three racist misogynists to try to murder Shirley Chisholm. I don't know. Um, but my favorite thing about Ch Ch Shirley Chisholm, my absolute favorite thing is her tombstone. She, cause she made it. No one, they didn't kill her. She made it. Uh, well, she made it all the way to, to dive. She had a bunch of strokes in 2005. She was old as shit. Uh, but on her tombstone, it's it just says unbought and uh, unbossed. That's some cold shit to have on your tombstone. I want I want something like that. No, I want that exactly. I want that exactly on my tombstone. Unbought and unbossed. I mean, if it's true, by the time I die, I might sell out. I just might. You know what I mean? These hot pockets ain't getting tastier. But unbought and unbossed, that's some cold shit to have on your tombstone. For real. 
Um, and of course, uh, posthumously, they awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Why they always gotta? Why they? Why they always gotta wait till they die till you dead before they fucking apologize and and do shit to, to do you right? <sighs> anyway, uh, that's been episode two. Thank you for listening. If you again, if you want to contribute in any way, email me BS with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. I'll take any of your feedback, any black history facts, any advice questions you want to answer. Uh, I'll appreciate that. All right, stay off that bullshit. I ain't talking special teams, gotta go, motherfucker, so I'm sewing up my things. See, I gotta plug these holes up for the winner, and all these rats come in and try to shed my dinner. Talking they working hard, niggas barely called a splinter. I'm on a banner.